This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Alongside MVSW pal Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. Hello, Greg. Hello. Uh... This is a World Cup podcast now, right? We're talking about the American footy team making it to uh, all over. Are you you're you're full on now? You're you're catching the. Uh, you know we've been saying soccer or football, however you want to phrase it, is the next big thing in North America for how many decades now? Are we finally there again? Are we all gonna? Are we gonna? Are we gonna? You know, Charlie Brown's gonna try to kick the football again on this one. <laughs> See, so this is why I like doing the show is that I feel like you you and I can have. Um, challenging conversations since the show since you know you and i have history and also because the show is uh, heard primarily in canada and the fact of the matter is this while i am a patriot while i am an american a rock ribbed american underneath all this thanksgiving uh-huh. chub uh i <laughs> i want the best for my country in all athletic endeavors that is clear whether it's you know, curling or football or soccer or what have you. It doesn't matter. I just want the Americans to win. That being said, as a hockey fan, to have to hear this incessant yammering in my rearview mirror from the soccer fans telling me how they're going to surpass the NHL, telling me that soccer is going to, you know, kick hockey down a notch on the pecking order in American sports and having to hear this throughout my entire life. Do you know how sometimes I take joy when the Canadians lose in World Junior because I know it'll inevitably uh, end up with you guys talking about how you're going to develop your goalies for the next 20 years? Like that sort of crisis of conscience that happens. (laughs) Well, there's a part of me, like 5% of me, 5% of me that wanted the U.S. to fall short of the round of 16 just to see how the soccer world in the U.S. reacted. Now, I know how they probably react. We're a very young team. The future is bright, yada, yada, yada. Yep. But at the same time, yeah, yeah, yeah. they do put such a premium on A, making the tournament, which they don't always do, and B, advancing to the elimination round yeah. that I do wonder what sort of crisis of conscience would have happened to the soccer community in the U.S. as they uh, scratch and claw and try to bring I- hockey down a notch. I don't. I don't think there would be that crisis because, you, to your point, they can always fall back on. We're a, we're a young, developing country. Like you look at you look at the women's side of soccer here, and it's like gold medals and success and star players. Like okay, like that 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 side is sort of you know actualized here in Canada. You know the men's. I mean, this is only the second time. You know they they score a goal and it's, you know it's parades in the streets. It's a, it's a wonderful moment. Like you look at. You know, soccer has been in this growing phase in in North America. And is it getting bigger? Yeah, absolutely. Will it continue to get bigger? Yeah, probably as well. Um, I, I, I'm with you that I always come a little bit shy of accepting that argument because like you, and I'm just a wee smidge older than you, young Greg, uh, mm-hmm. I've heard it my whole life as well. I've heard it my <laughs> yeah. my whole life. Like look at look at enrollment in soccer for kids and all that. And I've always said said this about you know myself in trouble on this one with with a lot of people. But here I go. Oh, so one okay. of the things that's that is interesting <laughs> I think about soccer that I think is is interesting is so- soccer with um, with kids. I like guess is sports at the youth level. Um, there are some sports where all the attention is on you, the athlete, 
right? Mm-hmm. It is a one-on-one situation. In hockey, there are one-on-one situations. There may not be another sport, well, I mean, other than, you know, a combat sport, boxing or MMA, there may not be any other sport that has more one-on-one confrontations than baseball. And that's really intimidating for a kid, for a, sorry, for a, mm-hmm. for a certain type of kid who doesn't want mm-hmm. all the attention on him or her. I think part of the attractiveness of soccer at the youth level, and this tends to, I'm not sure what it's like in the United States, but in Canada, it sort of starts to peter out, I believe, around the teen years. I think what's attractive for kids is that it's a game you can play where you can run around there doesn't have there's not necessarily unless you're the goaltender i suppose a lot of spotlight on you so you can kind of hide and still come off the field and mom and dad and coach will say great job out there look when really you haven't really done much i love my daughter but there's a reason she played defense <laughs> in soccer <laughs> and the reason the reason is she didn't have to handle the ball all that much yeah. and that her job was essentially yeah. to just kick very hard. And as a Wyshynski, she's got some lower body strength. Yeah. That's that's where the Wyshynski strength is. <laughs> we're very we're like a we're like a, a like a sturdy lamp. Um so that's sturdy I mean, lamp. and that's great. And she she that's how she got into team sports. Like that's what she played. Yeah. That's the the thing. She, I think there's something to it in the sense that, you know, much like we talk about the difference between uh, like three on three and four on four and five on five hockey, where uh, as you get uh, short, smaller and smaller numbers, you can you can't hide as much, right? I think it's the kind of the same thing uh, when you talk about soccer. Is uh, as you get older, maybe you can't hide as much because there's more expected of you in all facets of the game rather than you know just throwing your leg like a pendulum if the ball happens to come your way. Now, now the women's side, obviously, Whoa, the hold, US on. hold on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Wish, wish, wish. Hold on, hold on one second. This is, this is big. Uh, the yeah. Pittsburgh Penguins just sent this out. Chris Letang is out indefinitely after suffering Uh-oh. a stroke on Monday. Letang oh is not God. experiencing any lasting effects of the stroke and will continue to undergo a series of tests over the next week. Oh, my God, that Holy is brutal news. Yeah, he was out of the lineup. And uh, yeah, yeah. Now we know why. Wow, Latang. I'm fortunate cool to know my body well enough to recognize when something isn't right. While it is difficult to navigate this issue publicly, I am hopeful it can raise awareness. It is important for me that my teammates and family and fans know that I am okay, and I am optimistic yeah. that I will be back on the ice soon. Wow, what a what a devastating, devastating news out of Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that is devastating. He has had a stroke previous as well, so like this mm-hmm. is, this is uh, this is not good. I don't have any commentary around this one other than just to present it and say, look, man, I hope he's he's okay, and you know, so that the priority is your health first and hockey second. There's nothing that I know he still wants to play and he's a competitive player, but there's nothing like <clears throat> when you look at a player like Chris Chris Letang, like what does he have left to prove at this point? Like if I'm Latang, and I know this happens really in your, you know, in the the shady side of the mountain years, like man, take care of your health first. Yeah. Like hockey is a complete backseat here. Well, yeah. That's it. If you're if you're just joining us, uh, the latest news: Penguins putting it out. Chris Latang out indefinitely after suffering a stroke on Monday. So, jeez. We wish him. Um, we wish him the best. Uh, we certainly the, do. The, anyway, sorry to, to the, start the off. Peng- the penguins. The latest news. As we're in the, the in peng- the middle of bashing soccer. 
<laughs> the Penguins said that it's not career-threatening, which I guess is something that they have to say because people will be curious about it. They said that at the beginning of the release. Um, yeah. But like you said, I mean, like, he comes back, I think, because the band is back together, right? He comes back because they all want to take one more kick at the can, as it were. Um, yeah. So we'll we'll see. I mean, God, what a... Do you think that... Do you think that... <sighs> Do you think that this kind of thing gets caught now more and there's more attention paid to it just yes. like every other injury in hockey? 100%. Whether it's, you know, concussions that went uh, not just, you know, uh, both, you know, un- and misdiagnosed um, to players having had strokes and been unaware of it. I think it was, was it a Bruce Gamble? I checked it. I think Bruce Gamble had a stroke and, and, and finished a game. Jesus. Know. Philadelphia, yes. Yeah, okay. I mean, he he passed away at 43 of a heart attack. I think he also had a stroke in a game and and ended oh up finishing. God. I think it was like a Florida or Philadelphia Vancouver game. So yeah, absolutely. But I think that's like, I think that's like life in general too. Um, that so much of like I'm sure that you know when I played hockey as a kid, I'm sure that I had uh, concussions that just completely went undiagnosed. I think a lot of people of my vintage listening to this right now are probably saying like, "Oh yeah, I had I had the same thing, for sure." I, I think that's that's mm-hmm. true of our you know regular life, and I think that's true of sports as well. Thankfully, you know we have. Oh, here we go. Uh, to, 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 to my producer, Matty Marchese, Gamble had a heart attack in a game between Philly and Vancouver, February eighth, wow. nineteen seventy two. I don't I had a heart attack. I don't think that he. Uh, I don't think he, I think he finished the game too. Getting Maddie to check this as we're <laughs> we're doing the program, but yeah, there you go. Maddie said, "Yeah, he finished the game." Wow! Can you imagine? Not a chance. Did he win the Masterton? I don't think Bruce Gamble won the the Masterton at the, that. No, I don't think he won the uh, the Masterton. Okay. Just for finishing the game between Philly and Vancouver, just being just to be tougher than everybody else. Um, but yeah, I think a lot That's of that is probably gone. Kind of like un- undiagnosed. You going for like vintage MBSW moment here? Well, oh, well, <laughs> no, I died. Not in this case, no. Not in this case. I know there's certain things Gamble that play in certain situations, <laughs> and this certainly would not yeah. play in this situation. Yeah, not play in this situation. Don't know if that bit's appropriate right now. So we'll just move things along. Hey, how about that Seattle game last night, Greg <laughs> How'd you like that one? I'm torn on it. Torn on it. What are it you wasn't talking the greatest about? Hockey. Just the like, it's, who cares? It was fun. I know because occasionally, occasionally you need you need that that whack game that is just like makes no sense and and the goalie stats yeah. are insane and and like they, by the way, yeah. what is what is what is Martin Jones's uh, goal saved above replacement now? By the way, after being uh, you know <laughs> the story of the of the first of the first quarter of the season, um, you know it's it wasn't. It was a fun game. It wasn't the greatest game. It was it was certainly shinny hockey, as I pr- overpronounced my ends, yeah. so as not to uh, end up in the same place that most of our colleagues end up when they try to pronounce that word. Um, Whoa! You know, it was fascinating to me. Two things were fascinating to me last night. One was yeah. as a guy who used to have Jaden Schwartz on his fantasy team and has wagered on. I don't Jayden know how Schwartz he came up occasion. with that stat line. And that it's safe. That's the goofiest thing. It was the Jaden Schwartz stat line. It was just donuts. And it's like in a 9 8 game. 20 minutes of ice time, no less, <laughs> with one shot on goal. Like, what is happening? Figure. Um, that was we'll nuts. Figure. And the other, thing that, the other thing that's nuts is that, like, 
I, and I got into it with somebody on Twitter about this this morning to the surprise of no one, but like, I know we're talking about it like the night of, and I know we're talking about it today. But I remember when that Leafs Detroit game happened. Like that was like a four day news cycle. Yeah. When the ten the ten seven game, like it was like stunning, and that was it's only Toronto. like last Toronto. spring. It's, it's it's, but yeah, but, but, it's that, Toronto, that's but Toronto also and Detroit. Those are two major major hockey markets, media markets. But don't you think that things these are just kind of becoming more commonplace? And like I'm happy about yes, that. I'm happy that football scores are commonplace in hockey, and the, the fact that we had a game that you know was pushing towards the all-time record for goals in a game was awesome last night but at the same time i looked at that score like if i looked at that score four years ago i would have been like what the hell happened in that game i look at that score last night i'm like yeah it checks out this is where the league is right now and that's great that's great i'm not complaining i'm just sort of like taken aback by the fact that in the year of our lord 2022 that's where we are as a sport that that a a 9-8 game is like oh of course it's funny it's too great. because traditionally, you know, Elliot and I kind of talked about this in, in the first hour, but I, I want to take it a step further. Traditionally, when um, the NHL has wanted to increase goal scoring, it's been okay. What can we do to limit the capabilities of a goaltender? Essentially, okay, let's hammer the goalies and shrink the equipment. We'll threaten them with bigger nets and we'll agree to make the pads smaller. Right? That's always mm-hmm. been the hammer that the NHL has kind of played with goaltenders. But now, and this has taken a long time to get there. And to be honest with you, Greg, I don't even know that it was deliberate. It just might be a a sidebar to how the game is played now. And this is law of unintended consequences, and it worked out great for the NHL. Hmm. Right now, it seems as if it's harder to defend than ever before. Mm -hmm. That it's really maybe we should look at this and say it's not an assault on goaltenders as much as it's an assault on defensemen. And it's more challenging than ever to play that position. And where once upon a time, like you think of teams like the Philadelphia Flyers who just wanted to have like, you know, the the biggest trees in the forest, um, (laughs) chop down six of them, put them in orange jerseys and line them up at the spectrum. Like that used to be how the Flyers constructed their blue line, right? And that was successful. And a lot of other teams tried to, to, to emulate that. A lot of other teams tried to do that. But now, you know, there's a premium on, you know, more skilled and defensemen, you know, joining rush. And it's hard, especially dots down, to do anything to anybody. You know, you're given more free passes to the net than ever before. Free passes into that home plate area than ever before. To me, I, I think the thing that's, that's happened in hockey, which has caused a more of an explosion of goal scoring, is just that it's just harder to be a defenseman. It's harder to defend. And now the players can all shoot. And we talked about this last time with, you know, shooting coaches, et cetera. And guys know all about, you know, high percentage shots versus low percentage shots. And, you know, what happens, you know, before a shot dictates the percentage that it's, it's going to go in or not. I, I think now that everybody understands that and that you can manufacture goals, if you make it harder to defend, you're just going to get more goals. And that's where we're at right now. It turns out it had nothing to do with the goaltenders. It had everything to do with the defensemen. Thoughts? Yeah, now I want to go find Shell Samuelson and hit him with the Barbara Walters. If you were a tree, <laughs> what tree would you be? Because um, that's exactly Samuelson. who I thought of oh, I during your, your rant. Um, yeah. yeah, part of it too. Not Mike Rathke uh, or, or Marcus Ragnarsson? <laughs> oh, there's there's a ton. They, they, they had a type, Merrick. Um they did. The other part of it that I found interesting about defending, and not only just defensemen, but also the forwards too. When we did a story about offense last year, we talked to Barry Trotz for it. 
And Barry brought up the fact that because of various uh, factors and influences, including the salary cap and the need for cheap labor, there's a lot of young players in the league, a lot of kids in the True. league. And yeah. with a bunch of kids in the league, you end up with players who, when they get into the, the NHL, well, they can do a lot of skating and they could do a lot of offensive things. I mean, some things that yeah. they thought they could do in junior, they can't do anymore. What they usually can't do is defend. And that part of the game, dealing with the speed and the size and the athleticism and the talent of an NHL player as your opponent versus someone in the NCAA or junior, that's the part that comes last. And if you're going to go with a young league like we have and, and, and have all these kids playing, in some cases, very prominent roles very early on in their careers, that has naturally led to defensive slippage in this league. Uh, you could throw the best mm-hmm. system that you have in your po- back pocket out there for these guys to play. And if you've got yourself a 19-year-old playing against, you know, <laughs> Leon Dreisaitl, uh chances are there's going to be mistakes made. <laughs> there are. Okay, let me take this one step forward then. Uh, or, one, or one step further. Okay. Um, the one thing that fans come to see more than anything else are goals. Correct? Offense. That's what fans come to see. That's part of the excitement, maybe the biggest part of excitement in a game on a consistent basis. Agree, disagree? Agree. And that's what the NHL wants to put a premium on and put a focus on. And we know that the NHL is going to be right there as the Washington Capitals will be, you know, marketing the hell out of the Ovechkin chase for Wayne Gretzky. Oh. It's Baby. goals, 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 right? In baseball, it's dingers. Uh, in, in, in basketball, uh, it's points. In hockey, it, in football, it's, it's touchdowns. And in hockey, yep. it is goals, goals, goals. It's offense. That's what the league wants. That's what the league encourages. That's what the league you know, contorts itself around to become. It wants to be a sport about offense, correct? Correct. So, hmm. how hard am I going to go on this one? Then I'm just trying to determine. See, this is this is the okay, part I love so because then, I'm, hang on, like, hang, no, like no, hang on, several let me, possibilities let me here for you. Let me finish, please. Let me finish. Let me finish. So, so then, hmm. does it not? I'm going to try to give this thought the gentlest landing possible. Mm-hmm. Does that not then make the Selkie Trophy the weirdest trophy in hockey? Boy, you've you've disappointed me. I really thought it was like, how do I put this gently? Get rid of offside. How do I put this gently? Have players play with three sticks. No, like no, no, I really no, thought no, we were gonna no, go no. to Maricktown on this one, but instead, like instead did, uh, the All Star Shootout. <laughs> yes. Instead, you've decided to attack the Selkie Trophy. A trophy. Um, yeah. No, I'm but gonna, that's, I'm gonna but use this to attack the Selkie Trophy. <laughs> see, but that is the thing, though. The Selkie Trophy and the Vezina Trophy are not diminished or not made to feel awkward and weird because of it being an offensive era. In fact, I would argue they're even more prestigious because we're in an era. Do you know how, do you know how invaluable the Vezina trophy was when every goalie had like a 920 save percentage? That's why they gave it to Hashik every year. Mm. They're like, we could give it to anybody. Everybody could get a Vezina right now in this league, but we'll give it to Hashik because he's the best. <laughs> So to have to have people like 
to have people like Sorokin playing as well as he is, in back of, by the way, I don't know if you checked the under the hood on the Islanders, but from an expected goals against perspective at 5-on-5, five five, not very good. Oh, but kind of like a little Rangers no, reminiscent no, last year where their goaltender is doing some Sorokin. very heavy lifting. No, no, no. No, it's just Rangers yeah. 2.0, but on the island, yes, very much. Right. Very so, you, much so. so you got Sorokin. I give him credit. Hellebuck's playing great. Like, the guys who are playing great this yep. right now this year, I give them loads of credit. Carter Hart, too, in back of a very porous team. So, like, to me, the winner of the Vezina mm -hmm. this year will have really earned it. Selkie, all right, maybe it's a different kind of story because they're just going to give it to Bergeron again. <laughs> but, but it's also like, but you know, the but underlying. He's, but the, he's the pace bunny, man. He's still the pace buddy. He's still, like, even, again, like, we thought, okay, last hurrah for Bergeron here. Like, he's coming back, and he's going to win a major trophy. Like, I he got may go into the sunset winning a major trophy in the NHL, man. I got some interesting numbers on Bergeron that will come out tomorrow in our latest awards watch on ESPN that I think are Ooh, interesting good, insofar good as being well, I, 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 contextual. I was like contextual. I'll say, I'll say if you're somebody who wants to get out your permanent marker and write Patrice Bergeron's name on your Selkie ballot, which I don't uh, endorse because it's all electronic and you'll just be marking up your computer screen. They don't use <laughs> pens, Merrick. I would say there are oh, other players to consider and that maybe Patrice Bergeron's, I don't know, usage has changed a little bit this year. Not to say that he's not been incredibly effective, mm. but I will say that maybe... You know, as as we try to ward off the specter of reputation-based awards, Merrick, that sometimes you yes. have to take a little bit of a selkie tougher, has of a, been of one. A tougher selkie. Now, here's the beautiful thing about the selkie. Selkie has been one. It yeah. is it is reputation-based, and that means that occasionally mm -hmm. you get players bubbling up to the surface, whose quote-unquote time has come to either challenge or win the selkie. Barkov. His time came. It's time yep. for him to challenge for a Selkie. I think that guy this year, by far, just from some of the ballots that I'm seeing and also just buzz around the league, is Nico Heischer. Like, I feel like if the Devils are as good Preach as on. they've been, Preach on. I, I think, I think yep. it's going to be Heischer's year to crack the top three and, and potentially challenge for the Selkie win. Did you see... Uh, did you, you watch that Devils-Rangers game? I was at that Devils Rangers game. I got to hear oh, okay. Devils so fans chant what were your Igor thoughts? inside of MSG, which was surreal. Oh wow. Okay, so your thoughts then on Jacob Truba trying to separate body limb from limb and separate body parts from, from Nico Heischer's frame on that on that run from, from halfway across the ice. Great move by Heischer to get out of the way, but holy smokes. If he's not aware as, as he normally is, whew, he's not he's not getting to the ballot. Are you asking me, a Scott Stevens fan, how I felt about Jacob Truba doing the one thing he's good at, which is <laughs> trucking skill players on the other team? How I feel about that? I feel I feel like that's his job. I feel he's got two jobs. One, someone's got to be the captain, yeah. and two, truck people. That those are the two jobs for for Jacob Truba on that team. But I'll say this about the about the Devils and defense. Um, and this will warm your heart. I was talking to a scout Go. at the Devils-Oilers uh, game. And yep. he made the comparison between the way that Jack Hughes hounds people with the puck defensively and the way that Mark Stone mm -hmm. hounds people with the puck defensively. Kind of that crouch down, take it off your stick, go the other way type defense. Like, that's what Jack's been doing mm -hmm. this season. And it's kind of a marvel when you think about 
the fact that maybe a year and a half ago, this was a guy that would be, you know, the guy that goes in on a rush, tries to make something happen, turns the puck over, and he's all the way back up the end of the end of the ice when the opponent scores. He's really become a more complete player in a pretty, pretty, like yeah. short amount of time. He's he's real good defensively now. So so then he, here becomes as we sort of dance all over the place. Let me get you because here we are, November the thirtieth. All right, so we're, we're finishing up November, and November was an interesting month, and. I, I still think, I think most people will as well, say the big story of November was the Devils' 13 wins in a row, what the Devils did. Now, there were other things uh, that happened. The Islanders had a fantastic November as well. Eric Carlson had a tremendous uh, November himself as well. There are other players individually um, that had, that had uh, wonderful Novembers. Is there one story or is it just the obvious one? Um, and it's the New Jersey Devils. Uh, what was the big story coming out of this month for you? Maybe it's Seattle. Who knows? What was the big story coming out of November for you? Well, obviously, Merrick, it is the number of times a Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender knocked the cage off its pegs to potentially delay the game. I believe that was <laughs> the biggest story in hockey based on the time the media spent on it and based on uh, it happening in Toronto. Uh, yeah. We may have to rethink yeah. the pegs. I, I, my friend Mike McKenna, I heard him on the show the other day. Got to rethink the pegs yep. because the goaltending has has outstripped mm-hmm. the pegs. Got to figure it out. No, I think here's. Uh, but it has. I talked about. But it, it has. Like, I, I know it has. I'm, I'm being facetious. No, listen. You and I talked about this the other day, and I looked into it. For me, the biggest story of the first two months of the season is that absolutely no lead is safe. I got the numbers. Ready? Do it. In 338 it. games played, there were 44 wins by teams trailing after two periods. That's 13% of all games. That's through only 338. Awesome. We played more since then. It, th- that, that teams yeah. have rallied after trailing after two periods to win the game. That is uh, ahead of the pace that we've had for the last four seasons. Um it's a remarkable pace. It's a remarkable stat. The idea that we are now at a time in this league where a deficit entering the third period means you don't turn off the game is, again, much like 9-8 last night between the Kraken and the Kings, a place I didn't think we'd get to. And yet here we are. Mm-hmm. So in the five-year you span— You thought we'd never get there because, hey, God, we, 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 you thought we'd never get there because you grew up a Devils fan, and you watched the Jacques Lemaire Devils, and that's why you thought that we'd never well, get to a place where you can't no. sit on a lead. Well, that's just it. It's not the Jacques Lemaire Devils. It's every team that sat on a lead. Everybody sat on a lead. Everybody was trying to win with a, with a one-goal lead or, yeah. and get to an empty net situation and then, you know, cover the puck line. Like, that was the way, the, the way you played in the NHL, and now you can't anymore. Let me give you this. Five-year span— Mm-hmm. Who is the team with the most come from behind victories after trailing for two periods in the last five years? You want to venture a guess? Uh, Islanders. What's new, Pussycats? It's uh, the Florida Panthers who have the most come from behind victories, oh. followed by the Vegas Golden Knights. Pussycats. Other than the Kraken, which NHL team had the fewest number of third period victory rallies? The Islanders. <laughs> the Ottawa Senators. If I just say Islanders to everything, if I just say Islanders to everything, um, eventually I'm going to be right on the question. Hey, that's, watching Jeopardy that explain- and answering every question yeah. the same. 
Eventually you'll two be things. right. For, two things. First of all, that's exactly how I ended up with my cup pick last year. Uh, second of all, <laughs> my Jeopardy answer that I do that for is whenever there's a yeah. category about presidential history, U.S. presidential history, I answer Taft. Hmm. I asked her, William Howard Taft for every question. William Howard Taft? Assuming that he'll be the answer to one of them, <laughs> but, uh, but he is never the answer to one of them. Oh, okay. All right. One day you'll be right. So, yeah. So, cut, so, so but that's the offense but is, that's, is sort of the big that, story. That, yeah. Good. Because what, what that does, I mean, a, a couple of things. One, it keeps butts in the seats, and A, it keeps people watching longer. Like in oh, radio, yeah. we talk so much about time spent listening and, oh, your hooks are so important because, you know, your hooks will keep people, you know, through the stop set and keep them back the next week. If, if your hook is, you better not leave because this lead is not sacred where once you thought it was. Like how many times did you say, oh, man, they're up three pucks going into the third. This thing's over. I'm going to watch a different game or I'm going to do something else. Like to, to me, it's not, it's not so much about how many goals are going to be scored in a game. It's how many lead changes there's going to be. That's right. that 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 to me is the that that's that's the magic elixir, man. And look, how many times did Kings come back in that game last night? Yeah, five fingers, five times, right? right? Five fruits and five live, five Olympic rings, all of it. You know how many Jacksons on the victory tour? Five. That's how many times the Kings came back. <laughs> A dated reference. It's <laughs> <laughs> good reference, man. It's timeless. The. Very you dated. and I, yeah. for, for years, talked about how, and this was directly Those speaking people. to the uh, should they make the nets bigger argument, was it's not about goals, it's about flow. And that's why I'll, I'll take games yeah. like last night when they come, but overall, overall I'm more about like consistent flow. And, and that's, again, where we are right now as a sport. It's very exciting to watch a game because teams trade chances. Mm-hmm. And, and especially when you have the specter of, of, of third-period comebacks, you have to trade chances. You can't simply just sit back. Um, to tie it back to soccer, which we started talking about, and there's been a lot of, oh, sort of discussion by, by, by the normies who don't watch a lot of soccer uh, about the lack of, of goal scoring in soccer. And it's true. Like If you get down by mm-hmm. a goal with like 10 minutes left, you're probably going to lose the game. It just is the nature of the beast. Um, that said... You watch games because of the chances and not because of the goals. And I think once you understand that about soccer, it really opens up the sport to it being a beautiful chess match between athletes and coaches and systems and styles. And and uh, and yeah. I mean, on top of all that, a great excuse to drink beer. Let's be honest. But it's the chances in soccer that <laughs> and make it scarves. exciting and, and not the goal. And wear scarves. I know. Who doesn't like a scarf, man? That's the one thing I love about soccer, man. I love wearing a scarf. The, Scarves are awesome. The thing, uh, the thing I was going to say about soccer before, about in the U.S., by the way, um, was that it was always sort of looking at MLS as the challenger to the NHL. And MLS is a very, very popular league. Don't get me wrong. Like The attendance numbers for those games are mm-hmm. incredible, uh, depending on, on the city. And, and obviously, they've got a really good TV deal with Apple as well. Like There's, there's good things happening for MLS, but... Um, I don't. I don't think it'll ever surpass the NHL, but I do think, from a cultural perspective, the amount of people watching all of the international leagues and following those leagues um, through their streaming packages and sure. getting up early to watch Champion League, all that stuff, that's definitely boomed in the last fifteen or fifteen years. Let's call it um, maybe even the last ten years. Mm-hmm. And so, if the soccer folks want to take a victory lap over hockey, I would say that would be the victory Go lap to take. That that culturally. Um, soccer is very, very important to a larger number of people than maybe hockey is. That being said, of course. we're a legacy sport that gets more time on the nightly news. 
than does, you know, Champions League. And, and that will always kind of be the case, I think. And that will always keep hockey in a, a slightly higher echelon than soccer, in my opinion, in this country. One thing I wanted to ask you about, turn, turn the page on soccer here. One thing I wanted to ask you about, um, you know, you mentioned the peg issues and, you know, Mike McKenna's been strong. Mike was on the show yesterday talking about it. And one of the other things is goalie, the, the Connor Hellebuck situation, all right, which we're still talking about. I'm, I'm curious your thoughts on this one. I want to add a new wrinkle to it. I mentioned this in the first hour. I'm curious your thoughts on this. So, so here's <clears> my thought on it. A lot of I, things. Go ahead, yeah. <laughs> No, no, go ahead, go ahead, before I give you my thoughts. No, 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 go. you say you're curious, you hear my thoughts, and then you start giving your thought. Whose show is well, this, Here's Merrick? the thing, oh, I right. wanted it's to, your, in, oh, no, show. it wasn't, I just didn't want to, I just didn't want to hear your thought on the Connor Hellebuck situation. I wanted to add something new to it and get your thoughts on that. Please do. But if you want to go Please over do. what we saw before, okay, so here's, so here's the deal. So, okay. One of the person, one of the people that I was talking to last night brought up an interesting point. And this is someone, again, from the goalie union, the goal attending fraternity. So it does come from a certain position. And this person was saying to me, you know, one of the things that anyone, whether it's an official or people doing video review on things, no one really understands it because you guys never played net. So you look at it and say, oh, yeah, Matt Murray's kicking the peg off without a full understanding of what Matt Murray is trying to do and what the game, like how the game is played right now. Or you may look at someone like Jordan Binnington and say, like, oh, this guy's always shaking his mask off to get a, to, to get a whistle. Oh, look, what, uh, look, you know, look, what, look what's, uh, what's happened with the Winnipeg goaltender, and now we're having this conversation about blowing the whistle quickly, much like they have in the IIHF. And he said, if you, the, the proper people to make this call are former goaltenders because they know when a goaltender's cheating and how a goaltender's cheating. And one of the people that we don't have doing these reviews and holding whistles with, you know, with, uh, with referee and the linesman jerseys on are goaltenders. Do you think there needs to be goaltenders that do these reviews or goaltenders who determines how goaltenders are cheating if indeed they are? This is interesting because this is the same argument that we hear about the Department of Player Safety, that you you hire a cheat to catch the cheats, right? Like you hire physical players hire like hackers. Shanahan and Paris. Hire hackers. Yeah. Hire hackers. Don't put them in jail. The, hire the hacker. Hire right, hackers. Right. Hire the hackers yeah. to find the, the holes in the firewall. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, I, I do like the argument. I, I don't know if, if intrinsically – well, I guess, okay, so let's talk about this for a second, because what you're kind of getting at, I think, sure. is that you, you sit a, 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 you know, a Darcy Wakalak or somebody in the, in the, in the situation room. Ooh, great pull. And, and then you, uh, <laughs> might have, and then you, uh, I think he did. and then, and then you have them almost like your concussion spotter type. That is all the games are on. They're monitoring the games. Uh Oh, a guy's mask came off. Um, are you then putting that guy to watch the highlight and maybe radioing down to say that should be a misconduct penalty if he thinks he's faking? Now, yes. Now, I don't like any more video review in the game. I think we're all done with it. But if we're going to do something like this and it has to go to a review, the point well, that the person was trying to make for me last night is it should be a goaltender that determines that because goalies know who's right. shaking a mask off and who's not. And who's kicking I think a peg in that off case, not? I think in that case, it makes sense. I obviously wouldn't want a goalie in charge of goalie interference because, well, no goals would count. 
It's all or all the interference. It's all goalie interference. <laughs> right. So, so, um, so, but the are you just getting an, so an, an 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 angry and jealous career backup who's just you know has like venom for starting goaltenders. <laughs> I I do know one goalie who's like that who really has it in for starters. Anyhow, I digress. So so I. I I like the idea of you hire a thief to catch a thief. That makes a lot of sense for me when it comes to those types of plays. I think ultimately you'd probably want that for review afterwards for supplemental discipline. A fine, you know, you get you get a couple of those in a season. Maybe you get suspended for a game. You try to make sure these guys aren't going to embellish. Right? Maybe you do it that way. Um, the Hellebuck thing in particular, though. Again, I'm torn because there is no. Outside of maybe the face shield, there is no piece of equipment on the ice that is designed to keep a player safe more than goalie mask. Uh, because we saw yep. what would happen to goalies for decades when they played without a goalie mask. Yeah. So to not have one yeah. would put it, then put that player in inherent peril. Uh, so in, from that instance, I would love for the whistle to blow. That being said, uh, goalies are nefarious cheating creatures to the point where they're the only player on the ice <laughs> that has a piece of equipment called the cheater. And I don't want to give them any room to continue to pull yeah. out of their little evil bag of tricks, stoppages and delays and, and, and all the tactics that can use to interrupt op- an offensive chance. So I'm really torn on it. I want to protect them. I don't want their face scarred up like Jock Plants. But on the other hand, they can't be trusted. So I don't really know how I fall on this one. <laughs> okay, then let me introduce another thing that I've thought about for a number of years, and I don't know if you and I have ever talked about this then. Make it illegal to smother the puck. Hmm. Make it illegal to stop the play. Goaltenders are the only ones allowed. Now they get whistles when guys tie it up and their skates on the boards, I know, which technically I still think could be, if you can determine who's at fault, a delay of game penalty. But how about the idea of, and if you want, if you're interested in game flow and speeding up the game, make it illegal to smother the puck or grab the puck and hold mm. it for a whistle. You either move it or it's a delay of game. Does that include a glove save? Yes. So it's any, it's any instance. You catch it, you throw it away. Catch and release. As Mitch Hedberg said, I didn't want to eat the fish, I just wanted to make it late for something. <laughs> Catch and release. <laughs> I mean, so let me ask you this: If you're allowing catch and yeah. release, how many how many how many strides are you giving the goaltender with the puck before he drops it, or is it hot potato? That's another great question. Because yeah, um, well, see, th- this would be different than players because players aren't allowed to actually close their hand on a puck. You allow the goaltender right. to do it. I don't know, maybe yeah. t- maybe two strides. And then you have maybe you can't throw it forwards. Maybe you have to drop it and hit it with your stick, or you throw it backwards or to the side. Maybe that's a thing. It's like a gloved pass, much like with players. I don't know. I've been doing this one for a few years now. So, I don't ever so think then I've it ever becomes it almost like then again, like the undercurrent of this entire conversation goes back to the beautiful game. Then it's almost like a soccer goalie rolling the ball to a defender rather yeah. than like kicking it Correct. down the the field. Yep. I mean, I don't. Get rid I don't of it, or else I'm going to call you a delay of game. I don't hate it, but you'd have to build in some sort of uh, some sort of safety zone around the goalie, so you don't have defender, you know, four checkers trucking the guy to get the puck back. Like you'd have to give him a little bit of room to to, to play the puck. Um, rather yeah, than he's got the crease, wouldn't you? 
He's got the Kree. Yeah, he's just got the Kree. The got Kree. The Kree. <laughs> so you're gonna have like you're gonna have like four guys from the yeah. opposing team surrounding the goalie, and he's gonna try to stick his hand through their legs to find a way to slide the puck. No, through. you can throw. You can. No, you can throw it behind the net. You can throw it into a corner. You just gotta get rid of it. Keep the flow going. What you need to do, Merrick, is you need to fashion the catching glove as more of a highlight. Like line. a blocker? Oh, I like that. Okay, glove. so two blockers. And so Ooh, you, now you got some me. Sort, okay. some, well, no, no, no. More, more like you, like a scoop. Like you, like you scoop. Like because if you can <laughs> like save the puck, <laughs> right? Like highlight exactly. So if you save the puck, but you yeah. can't smother it. Then well, obviously, what you want to do is have the ability to hurl the thing down the ice with your scoop. Over the heads yeah. of the attacking players to your guy that's if, now streaking if, down the on, ice for a breakaway. If, if you're allowing goaltenders to 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 execute a gloved pass, which players aren't allowed to do, but you trying to, to treat goaltenders more like players here, really. If if you don't allow them to smother the puck, you'd have to allow a gloved pass. How are they? You're saying every time they've got a, it's got to no, be like no, stick no, ball no, 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 where they throw the puck in the air and smack no gloved, it with their stick. No gloved pass forward. You can glove a pass backwards or to the side. Oh, now you're just getting rid of the forward pass, aren't you? It's just, what is happening here? The forward gloved pass, yes. You can drop it and shoot it. Nothing's stopping you. So you're saying a goalie makes a save, can't smother the puck. Only thing he can do (laughs) is throw it to to Trevor Zegras as he's waiting behind the net. (laughs) Is that what your plan is? Yep. Or you throw it off to the side. Go throw it in the corner. I know, drop we it, get, we smack get, it. We get, I don't know. We get Kraken Kings every night. Is that kind of what you're thinking? <laughs> it's not kind of There's where we're heading be... anyway. Let's just move it along quicker. We all know where this is going. Greg. The problem with the problem with this dumb plan of yours is that there's going to be a moment where a goalie gets hurt, and then the GMs are all going to meet and be like, "What were we thinking? Let's let him smother the puck again." Like that'll that'll be inherently how that ends, right? Get hurt? How? You catch it? You throw it away? I mean, most, most shots are deflected away anyway. We're only talking really about glove saves or scrambles around the crease where you smother it. To me, if a player does that, it's to lay a game. Goaltenders do it. It's a face-off. It'll be something real simple, like a goalie trying to throw the puck behind his net, and then he blows out his elbow. And they'll be like, he would have never blown oh, out geez. his elbow if it wasn't for the Merrick plan. All these, he's got to throw the puck all, all over these the place. Goaltenders like having, all, these, all these goalies having Tommy John surgery, it's all Merrick's fault. It's, <laughs> Got a goaltenders throwing pucks. Can you imagine uh, we've how got many a hustle times and now Matt, giving you some. You, I've given you some. What's that? Can you imagine how many times Matt Murray would kick out the peg if he couldn't smell the puck? Like every every stoppage. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you'd get back to that one. All right, you punt, I punt. Uh, we're out of time, and now I've given you something to think about for the rest of the day. Beautiful times, as always, Merrick. Yes, sir, my good man, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN MVSW every Wednesday here on the broadcast.